And welcome to A Little Knowledge is a Dangerous Thing, the podcast. This time we have a special guest with us, Amanda Hernandez-Hunt, who is the spouse of Dan Hunt, one of my sons. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, we're particularly interested in this because this is uh, uh, an interest that you've had for many years, and, and Dan as well in the past about uh, Drum Corps International and Drum and Bugle Corps. I don't know if they use bugle anymore in that. But uh, give us a little bit of a background on how you got into this in the first place. Uh, Well, I'll give you a little bit of background on how uh, this is important to to my relationship with Dan as well. Uh, Dan and I actually met through Drum Corps. I was teaching a group in 2012 Uh, called Forte. They're no longer around, unfortunately, but uh, I was living in Albuquerque at the time, and we, a few of us came down to recruit for this group. We were instructors, so we had our camp scheduled to be at Eastwood High School, but then they canceled on us last minute, and Dan had just had LASIK surgery the, the day before, so he was free, and he let us have camp at Montwood High School, where he was the band director. So, I was only supposed to be here for a weekend and we met that weekend and I just kept coming down to El Paso. And so that's how I got here. Um, But as far as drum corps, I started marching drum corps in 2007 uh, when I was 17. I marched with a group from Southern California, Pacific Crest. And then I marched with the Blue Knights in 2009, no, 2008. I marched with the Troopers in 2009 and 10, and then I aged out with the Blue Coats in 2011. So that's that's my my membership experience in drum corps. Well, how do you jump from being a, a horn player in a high school marching band, which I assume you did, to having an interest in in uh, being in one of these elite core bands? So back in the day, um, 2000 in 2003 when when I saw drum corps for the first time, I had just started high school marching band and I was a band nerd. I was obsessed. Um, I went to Las Vegas high school, which wasn't a super competitive marching band, but um, I was really excited about it anyway. And back in the day, uh, PBS used to air DCI finals. And I remember watching these really good marching bands that had no woodwinds or trombones. And I was just obsessed with them. Um, and so I, I kept following them through high school, and I thought, one day I'm going to do that. I'm going to be one of these marching band superheroes. So um, I di- didn't really have, like, a, a good time to go and march or felt like I could go. Um, but one Memorial Day weekend, one of my friends who was marching in Pacific Crest let me know that they had a hole for a mellophone player. So I asked my mom last minute, and I think it was a good thing that I it was like a, a last-minute impulsive decision because she couldn't say no, and I couldn't really think about it. Um, so she drove me to California, and I had a whole weekend of drum corps, and that's how it started. I just went and filled a hole. And you've been doing that pretty consistently since then. Um, yes. So I marched for five years, um, and I've been in, an instructor um, six years since 
2011. So I take a few summers off here and there, but um, yeah, pretty, pretty consistently more years than not. Well, that's pretty neat. Six summers teaching. So that's, uh, uh, and I assume they, they pay you top dollar for all of the teaching positions that are out there. Sure. <laughs> we don't it, have to get into that. It's a love, a labor it, of love. It really is. I, I felt like, um, yes, it, I about break even whenever I go, but it's about giving back to the activity. Well, that's fantastic. So talk about a little bit about how, uh, what the time frame is on getting people who are going to be in the band for the next year. There must be uh, trials, auditions, or whatever. And uh, and then somebody in the background has to be coming up with the theme for the show, picking the music, actually writing the arrangements and, and all of the interludes and that type of thing. So what is kind of the calendar schedule for those things to happen? Well, there's a lot of moving parts in this. Um, a lot of specialized positions, um, there there's like the administrative responsibilities the instructional responsibilities and then the design responsibilities um so i'm in uh my responsibility responsibility is an instruction so i'm a mellophone instructor or high brass instructor um my time frame for uh the people that i work with are starts pretty much right after finals end. So we just met as a brass staff to put together audition materials. And so the next few months, we'll be advertising them on social media and anywhere, band rooms, flyers, everywhere. Um, and auditions start in November. So we're going to have some auditions in Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, El Paso, Las Vegas, Denver, Indianapolis. Um, and then we select members to fill the drum corps through those auditions. And we start our, our, uh, our winter camps right after that. So December we'll have a camp where everyone goes to Denver and rehearses together. We'll have another one every month until May. So May is when we uh, all move into the same area. All of the members, the, the brass players, color guard, percussion, we all move in together to the Denver area where we stay at a high school and we learn our show. So we learn the music and the movement, the choreography, the drill. Um, then after that, I think it's about five weeks, we take the show on the road and we travel around competing against other groups just like us. Um, so that takes place through July and the beginning of August. And then the world championships take place in Indianapolis in the Lucas Oil Stadium uh, in mid-August. And we have a video that's uh, got a link in it in this blog post uh, to that final show that the Blue Knights did called Unharnessed. And it, uh, it runs from Giuseppe Verdi to The Doors to Lenny Kravitz and Farrell Williams. So quite a collection of different uh, genres there and different time periods. Give us a little idea of what the show is about. So the show this year was really cool. Um, it can mean a lot of different things to the interpreter. Um, so th in the beginning of the show, 
it symbolizes people being oppressed by either something literal, like the obelisk that they're all stuck to, or something figurative, like some maybe negative self-talk or, you know, self-doubt, uh, things like that. Um, this is something that we had the members uh, go through and kind of figure out their own personal journey on things that hold them back. Um, and then as the show progresses, they work through these obstacles. Um, and then by the end, they have broken free from these obstacles, from things that hold them back. And that's when we uh, when we hear Freedom by Pharrell Williams. Um, and this was really cool because as I was talking to different members, everyone had their own different interpretation, whether it's something really serious and deep or something maybe more, I guess, digestible and not as serious. Um, there's also people online who were coming up with their own interpretations. Um, there was a, a post on Reddit that I saw where someone said, hey, I finally get the Blue Night Show. Um, they're breaking free from this like misconception that they shouldn't be in the top 12 and they're reclaiming what is theirs, which is a spot in the top 12. Um, the Blue Knights fell out of finals, which is the top 12 course last year. And we were working really hard to get back into that spot this year. And you did do that. Yes, we did. So Tell me a little bit about the rigors of being on the road and the, the accommodations that um, you enjoy or maybe have to deal with uh, when you go from place to place to place over this couple of month period. So um, as a staff member, um, I have a different experience from the members. The members uh, travel on charter buses and they have two people uh, per I guess, pair of seats. So everyone's sharing um, a seat, uh, if that makes sense. You know how buses, there's there's pairs of seats? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Two and two, either side. And there's there's no uh, bar car or slumber uh, places or anything like that on those buses. Correct. That's for the members. So there's a butt in every seat. Um, as a staff member, it's a little bit nicer. Uh, the core and most cores actually rent sleeper buses for the staff members. Um, so I had my own bunk, which was really nice. Um, there was a seating area, a fridge and a microwave um, and a bathroom that we were discouraged from using. Um, so that was. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it has a capacity. <laughs> just, just wait till we're at a. Um, so that was really nice for me because I could like lie down and, and sleep. Um, this was kind of important to me, however, like, yes, as you get older, it's harder on your body to do drum corps, but I was working my day job when I was teaching as well. So in the morning block, I would, uh, do my day job where I work on my computer and in the afternoon blocks, I would teach brass. And then in the evening blocks, I would teach, um, whatever we're doing, which is usually full ensemble. So tell us then, uh, you started in July. Um, how many different shows did you play this year, including the championship? Um, let me see. I think we had about 20 shows. Okay, that's a lot. And, and how many, kind of break it down for us, how many people are in the Blue Nights? So we have 160 members, I believe. I think it's 160, maybe a little bit more than that. Um so 
those numbers are split amongst percussion, uh, brass, and color guard. So each section is allotted a certain amount of members. The brass section is usually the biggest, around 80 members. So it's pretty big. I uh, remember yep. back in my high school days, we uh, had just a few over 100 when I was a freshman, although we did get bigger as we went. But uh, just managing 160 pe- people and doing different, very different things. And it's not like, you know, back in my day, we used to take eight steps per five yards and just walk in straight lines or spell words out. This is nothing like what is going on here. In my mind, I felt like it was more like a, a, a super coordinated um, ten ring circus where not ten different things were happening, but ten related things were happening all at once, all the time. And it must be for the instructors to watch that come together and then finally come to fruition when you're doing your show. It must be just exciting, especially for the person who wrote the theme of the show in, in the first place and had ideas about what it was going to be. Yes, it's, it's super exciting to see the members take this on and grow into the production. Um, so we had a very young membership this year. Um, since, you know, COVID happened, a lot of, there's just been some inconsistencies in, in membership and you know, our resources. So we had a lot of turnover this year and we had a lot of new members. So usually when you have younger kids, younger members, it's hard to get them to perform and to like really sell something this, this emotionally involved. Um, so it was really cool to see our younger members grow into their show. Um, and I remember, I think it was, um, where was it? I'm looking at my calendar. It was like the last week of the season, I think it was Cincinnati, where we saw the members just like decide that they are selling this 100%. It was a decision, I feel like, on their part where they grew into their show. But um, as you were saying earlier, like all these different layers of the show coming together, it's kind of hard to acknowledge it as a brass instructor because what I was asked to do was so specialized, like just focus on what they're playing. Um, and that's all I do. So when you step back and watch the whole production and appreciate the design and the choreography and the drill and, you know, their emotional connection to the show, it was, it was really cool to experience that on a, on a big level as well. Well, congratulations on another year doing this. I know you love it, and uh, and it sounds like you're probably already involved with getting the next one going. Yes, we're all, yeah, I feel like the work doesn't stop, which is really exciting. Um, I like being part of this process and, and growing something. Um, I left teaching in December, so I was worried that I wasn't going to find something fulfilling uh, in that aspect but I'm really grateful for the opportunity to give a lot of input and do a lot of meaningful work for this group. I feel like I'm leaving teaching, let me have this super valuable experience. Totally awesome. Thank you, Amanda. And hope to see you soon. Alrighty. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And remember, 